Job chapter 38. Next Sunday, Lord's willing, I want to begin a series from the book of Isaiah. One of the most powerful books in the Word of God. The book of Isaiah will give us a picture of our nation in a way that no other book can. And so, Lord's willing, I'm going to begin a, a series in the book of just, just walking through the book of Isaiah. So, make yourself a note. Write on your hand, whatever you got to do. Read chapter 1 of the book of Isaiah this week. That's your homework. Read the book of Isaiah, chapter number 1. How many will read one chapter for me this week? Raise your hand. Okay, now God will give you the itch if you don't, bless God. You'll, you'll be coming. If you're scratching, I know you lied. All right. Isaiah, one chapter. We'll take a, we'll begin and we'll start walking through the book of Isaiah. Boy, I've so enjoyed studying that book. It's been, it's been so good. But tonight, I want to just share just a little simple Simple thought. It's, it's really so simple, but, but I pray it'll be a blessing. Job chapter 38, stand with you, would. Job asked, the Lord asked Job a question. <coughs> As a matter of fact, there's 11 questions here. But I want to just look at one of them tonight. Verse 22. God asking Job this, Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow? I sat in my house the other day as it was snowing, and I was looking out the window, and I thought about this passage coming to mind. And I said, Wow, what treasures... It's God talking about in that snow. So with the help of God, we'll look just for a few minutes tonight on the treasures of the snow. How many like snow? Amen. I, I, it, well, when we was kids, well, if it snowed, man, we just got happy because we knew we was getting out of school. You know? So we like snow. All right, let's pray and ask the Lord that. Brother Watts, how about you praying? Amen. You can be seated. Allow me to lay the foundation for Job chapter 38. For 37 chapters, Job has been the recipient 
of God and Satan having the discussion. Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? Satan says, well, you put a hedge about him. You blessed him. You just drop that hedge. He'll curse you to your face. And God said, okay, we'll drop the hedge. I've often said this. If God and Job, if God and Satan wants to have a discussion, please leave my name out of the discussion. Please just don't bring me up at all. They said, okay. Then he said, okay, Satan, we dropped the hedge. You took everything he had. You took his ten children. I've often, please don't boo me out. I just couldn't help but think. Why, the only thing the devil left her, Job, was that woman. <laughs> Amen. He'd take her out. But anyway, she said, won't you just curse God and die? And then Job said, God said, now Satan, what do you think about Job? Satan said, well, Touch his body. You touch his body. He'll curse you to your face. God said, okay. Satan, you can have his body. Hold it. You're not going to kill him. And we know the story of how he was ravaged. I mean, would get on a heap of garbage and scrape himself to get relief. And for 37 chapters, his friends come and they know it all. They begin to tell Job how sorry he was, how sinful he was, (coughs) and how they knew why. They begin to explain to Job about God. And so these four men declared and defended the greatness of God, but they failed to persuade God. But when we come to chapter 38, God displayed His majesty, His greatness to Job And it humbled him. It brought him to a place of silent submission. And he said this, God, I've heard about you, but now I've seen you. And he said, I repent because I'm just nothing in your sight. God comes in Job 38, verses 1 through 38. said, can you explain my creation? Where was you when I laid the foundations of this world? Where was you when I'd done this and done that? Verses 39 through chapter 39, verse 30. 
Can you oversee my creation? And then verse chapters 40, can you subdue my creation? He begins by the creation of the earth. Verses 4 through 7 in chapter 38. Then he moves to consideration of the seas. And man, that's, that's mighty. I, I'm amazed, I love this. He, he gets to talking about how that the seas come just as far as God wants them. And then he stops them. My, what a God. And then the next 11 questions relate to the vast dimensions of his creation. And in the midst of those 11 questions, he's asking, Job, hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow? The word treasure speaks of depository. There were some things God wanted Job to see in the snow. And these things have a spiritual truth to them. We might be surprised to know snow's mentioned 24 times in the Word of God. We have a tendency to think in the holy lands there is no snow, but you can look on Mount Hermon and it's snow-capped year-round. So they would have noticed and seen them snow-caps. Job... No doubt turns his out mind is eyes to Mount Hermon and looks at the snow-capped mountains and saying, Job, have you ever considered the treasures of the snow? Let me say, let me give you three things, treasures of the snow. Number one, we see the diversity contained in the snow. Scientifically, Snows formed a precipitation that can consist of masses of tiny crystals. These crystals grow from water vapor in, in a cold clouds. The crystals combine to produce a snowflake as they collide and stick together. And one of the unique features about snow is its diversity. Now there's two basic snow crystals. There's the plate-like crystals and column patterns crystals. But may I say this? Every snowflake is different. When we start thinking about the diversity contained in the snow, notice with the form of a single Snowflake. More than a century ago, uh, an English preacher and an Arctic explorer by the name of William Scoresby classified 96 varieties of snowflakes in the Arctic. He described them as stars and cornets and cylinders and goblets and hexagons and pyramids. But he was the one Their research revealed that no two snowflakes are exactly alike. 
When snow falls, there's millions of snowflakes that come down, yet not one of them is the same. You couldn't manufacture that. That's just, that's just great. The diversity. <coughs> A little snowflake has its own design and pattern. All snowflakes have six sides, but each has its own shape and unique design. When we think about the diversity of the snow, we must be mindful that God has hundreds and thousands and even millions of people that love and serve Him. But isn't it amazing? We're everyone different. Everyone. You might say, we're identical twins. And they are some twins that you literally could look at and you could not tell apart. But may I say this? They are still, their DNA, there is something different about every single one of them. They're tall people and short people. Skinny people, and we'll say healthy people. There are people with pointy chins, double chins, and no chins. There are people with thick hair, thin hair, and no hair. There are people with black hair, red hair, blonde hair, brown hair, and then dyed whatever color you want to make it. There are people with blue eyes, brown eyes, green eyes. There is diversity in every single one of us. And what I want you to understand tonight is that God, if you, if, if you can grasp this, God created you to be you. He didn't create you to be somebody else. When I first started preaching, I used to listen to Mace Jackson. And uh, I tell you, I thought I tried to preach like Mace Jackson. And I learned right real quick, nobody can preach like Mace Jackson. But I like to hear other preachers preach. But may I say, what a grand day when I recognized God in His diversity made me just when everybody look up this way just a minute. The greatest day of your life is when you can get content in your own skin. When you can get content with how God made you. I mean, it's just the way it is. When you can be content, when you can Quit trying to be what somebody else thinks you ought to be. When you can quit being what you think you ought to be. My Lord, some of you have been on so many diets. Bless God, you're to go into business. <laughs> Amen. And it amazing? And here's what's sad. Look at me now. What's sad? You're miserable. Praise God. I think we're to take care of ourselves. I think we're to take care of our bodies. 
But I'm going to tell you what's the truth. If I want to come to ice cream, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a cone of ice cream. That's right. Why? Because God made us, everyone, be different and make great diversity. Boy, wouldn't it be a sad world. Now just think about this for a little bit. What if everybody was just like you? Wow. That very thought is kind of trying to encourage you tonight. That thought's depressing. If everybody was just like you. Wow. And you know what? God has diversity in our church. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministration, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operation, but it's the same God that worketh all in all. Can I say this? Not everybody can sing like Joey Griffith can. Boy, wasn't that good. Man's got a great voice. Great voice. Not, not everybody can play a piano like Sarah. Not everybody can sing like others sing in the church. Not everybody can teach. Not everybody can administrate. Not everybody can encourage. Well, what a gift. What a gift of encouragement that is if you got it. Have you ever known people that just encourage you? When they get around you, they may make you feel better. When they get around you, you just you're just you feel better because they're around you. You realize it, you know, there's there's some people that are just fun to be around. But then there are some people, they're dull as dirt. That's category I fit in. Just dollars, don't. And we're all different. And what I want you to understand tonight, God says, Job, have you ever considered the treasure of snow and the diversity? And God takes every one of us and takes us how we are and our gifts. There's some people have the gift of working with their hands. I, 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 I think Brother Watts can build anything. I've had him to build everything. He can build anything. I, I can't nail a shoebox together. And the diversity, gift of hands. And what God's wanting Job to see is every single one is important. And you have a place. And you're important to God. And He knows your diversity. And He He makes you part of the snowflakes because of your diversity. Your diversity makes God put you in a place. And it speaks. Every believer has a unique uh, a gift that can be used for God. Every person does. Amen. You know, have you ever met people that can just make money? 
I don't care what they do. They can just make, they're just good at making money. Didn't you ever know people couldn't keep two nickels together for not loving their money? There's people have the ability to handle money. There's some people that don't. There's people that have the ability to be great orators and speakers. Then there's people that's not. But when I worked the Hickory Chair, and if we had an accident in our departments, uh, we, we would have to do the safety meeting. And them big old, big old, brawly, strong men, uh, uh, supervisors that run the, the rough end, they'd have an accident. Now, this is God's truth. It's, they would come and pay me $50 to do the safety meeting for them. And the safety director caught on when I'd done three or four of them for our department. He said, why are you doing it? I said, because they said, I'll give you 50. I mean, men, big, strong men, but could not handle being in front of a crowd. I said, I'll do it for you. And they said, we'll give you $50. I probably made a couple hundred dollars doing that. Because they couldn't. I want you to understand this. God, there's the treasure of the snow is the diversity. And every believer has its own distinct place and purpose in the body of God. We all share a common salvation, but there's great diversity. I love this story. It's called the story of four neighbors. Fred, somebody... Thomas, everybody. Pete, anybody. And Joe, nobody. They were an odd bunch. All four belonged to the same church. Everybody went fishing on Sunday. Anybody went to worship, but was not very friendly, was not, and was sure that somebody would not speak to him. So nobody was the only one that went to church. Nobody was the only decent one of the four. Nobody was very faithful. Nobody paid the, uh, the Lord's tithe. Nobody sang in the choir. Nobody took up the offering. Nobody did the visitation. In fact, everything that was needed in the church, you guessed it, nobody did it. When they needed a Sunday school teacher, everybody thought that somebody would teach a class, but he wouldn't, neither would anybody. So guess who finally taught the class? You're right, nobody. Let me say, anybody and everybody can be somebody, but nobody is perfect. The form of a single snowflake. Number two, the force of several snowflakes. One single snowflake falls and it has very little power. But joined with millions of snowflakes, wow, the tremendous power that it can force. Millions of snowflakes and although a snowflake is 24 times lighter than raindrops, they can literally represent a winter wonderland. When a little snowflake teams up 
with millions of other snowflakes. They collapse roofs, break off power poles, break tree limbs. One writer described it this way. The lowly snowflake in force can crush the works of men as though they were straws. A single snowflake is nothing but a snow in battalion strength. Battalion strength successfully challenges the mind and might of men. I think of individual believers as one. We have very little force in the world. As a matter of fact, as our world continues to get worse and worse, but I say this, there is a power in accumulated and cooperation when we come together. We, we, and no doubt Christians today are, are, are the minority. There's no doubt about that. But when we come together, it is a group that can literally tackle the world. Jesus said it this way, I'll build my church on this rock. I'll build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. Means the gates of hell cannot stop it when all the snowflakes come together. The force of it is tremendous. force of it is tremendous. Now I'm not talking about joining this ecumenical movement and throwing away our King James Bible and songbooks. I'm not talking about, I'm just born again, washed in blood, believers coming together. It is amazing what can be done for the glory of God. Can I help you? That's reason. That's the reason that you ought to be a part you insert yourself in the summit of the house of God. Uh, you say, well, I can't speak from the public. Okay, put a dollar in missions. Be involved. Do something. Put something. Do something. Put something in it. Well, I want you to know there's something about being part of the whole that's very rewarding. And the power of snow. Isn't it amazing? One snow flight can't do nothing. But millions of snowflakes can shut down schools, work, shut down the roads. A foot of snow around here will be shutting down the state. Amen. So there's diversity contained in the snow. But we're looking... Have you considered the treasures of the snow? The diversity. Number two, the adversity caused by snow. Do you know snow can bring a burden? Lost work, sickness, wrecked automobiles. I thought, boy, I see a newscast. And the newscaster in the background was a car on its top. Here's why he said, this is the reason you need to stay out the road. <laughs> I love it. There's a car on its top right behind him. Oh, may I say, snow can bring a burden. You say, well, what's that got to do with the adversity of snow? I think God's wanting to remind us. And I wish I could tell you 
that if you honor and serve God, everything be sunny and warm and sunshining, and winter time will never come. But just like the snow, there'll be times when we have burdens, adversity. We can get up in the morning, clear skies, bright sun, beautiful day, and before we go to bed, we're in the blizzard of our life. All it takes is one phone call, a knock on the door, a visit to the doctor, and you least expect it. I went to visit a man this yesterday. Matthew went to visit him, a strong man, very strong man, very strong man. No, no question about that. Started to get up out of bed the other week. He said he had pain like he'd never had. Waited around an hour. Took him to the hospital. He thought he was going to get in checked out. They'd done an EKG. Next thing you know, they had him carted up, putting an ambulance, and going flying towards Fry. Said he told me he said, I'd never been in the hospital. They shoved me in there and started moving me over, plugging in. And I told him, stop! Slow down! You're scaring me! <laughs> He'd never been in the hospital. And had a major heart attack. Didn't even know what was going on. Never been sick a day in his life. And I told him. We talked there. And I don't know what God's wanting to do during this time. But I believe God's going to do something great. I believe God's going to do something great. Well, the adversity, the snow, there's treasure. And let me, let me say this. Well, I love our church. Amen. If only you just knew how much I love our church. But I believe there's times that it literally takes adversity for us to slow down long enough to listen. You know, I often say it. God, I don't want you to have to judge me to get my attention. But I do believe God loves me so much. Now listen, I believe He loves me so much. He'll put me on my back looking up to say, I wanted to talk to you. I came by where you was at last week. And just like always, you were so busy with your own agenda. You were so busy doing your own thing. You were so busy that I could not get your attention. So I tried it again, and I still couldn't get your attention. So I had to bring some adversity. I've had to slide you off the road. I've had to turn your world upside down like a car on a, on a highway to get you to stop and say, Hey, hey, I want to talk to you. Told that man yesterday. It's sad. And 
may I say this is for all of us. It's sad that God has to do that. Can I say this? Just being as transparent as I can be. Most of us are too hard-headed. And God has to do that to get our attention. But He's the master at doing that. And in this midst of adversity, God might be wanting you to see something that He could never show you no other way. He may be wanting to do something in your life that He could do no other way. And it might be the greatest thing when you come out of it that's ever happened to you. May I remind you, all that Job went, in the end, God gave him twice as much. Twice as much materialism, twice the children, twice the life. But there's a adverse the burden snow brings. Then there's a benefit snow brings. One writer saying, while opinions may vary on how desirable snow is, in particular the amount that falls snow actually has several benefits. For a yard and garden planting, one major benefit of good snow covers its ground. Its snow functions as an excellent insulator to the soil. Without snow, very cold temperatures can freeze the soil deeper and deeper. This can lead to damage to roots and trees and shrubs. In the southeast, they are dependent on snow, the heavy snow, to, to bring water into the valley in the spring and the summer. Isaiah 55, 10 says, For as the rain cometh down and the snow from the heavens and return not thither, but watereth the earth and bringeth it forth Forth, forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. May we learn when we look at the treasures of the snow. May we learn, realize that there are some adversity in snow. But if God allows adversity, it is for our good and His glory. And God can use those for greatness. Listen to a poem I came across. If my days were untroubled and my heart always light, would I seek that fair land where there is no night? If I never grew weary with the weight of my load, would I search for God's peace at the end of the road? If I never knew sickness and never felt pain, would I search for a hand to help and to sustain? If I walked without sorrow and lived without loss, would my soul seek solace at the foot of the cross? If all I desired was mine day by day, would I kneel before God and earnestly pray? If God sent no winter to freeze me with fear, would I yearn for the warmth of spring every year? I ask myself these questions and the answer is plain. If my life were all pleasures and I never felt pain, I seek God less often and need Him much less. For as God sought more often in times of distress. And no one knows God or see Him as plain as those who have met Him on a pathway of pain. God, someone has said, tears lead to triumph, burdens lead to blessing, grief leads to gladness, and sorrow leads to strength. 
the diversity contained in the snow, the adversity created by the snow, and the purity conveyed by the snow. You find when the Bible talks about snow, he talks about the cleansing from sin. Isaiah 1.18 Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. When God speaks to the treasures of the snow, he's talking about a cleansing. It, it, it's has the ideal of being forgiven. <coughs> thank God, thank God, there is nothing, no greater joy than to be forgiven and cleansed from sin. There's no greater peace than knowing that you're right with God. And there's no greater satisfaction than a satisfaction being right with God and in fellowship with Him. There's nothing greater. And he said, consider, Job, have you considered the treasures of the snow? Over and over, God said, I'll take your sin and make them as white as snow. As white as snow. Snow is a symbol of purity that God looks on when our sins has been forgiven. I am convinced there's nothing harder or sadder than to have sin in your life. You know, and, and by the way, we know the Word of God. We know what God commands. We know, don't we? We're not, we're not ignorant about what God is saying. And when we, when we disobey that willfully, then that's sin. And then when there's sin, boy, there's sadness and a separation from God. But when there is forgiveness, he says, I'll take your sin and make them as white as snow. You know what my prayer is? The next time you see snow, that you don't look at exactly the same way. I pray you'll look at snow and say, there's a treasure in that stuff falling out there. I hope when you see snow, you'll say, every one of them snowflakes is different. Just like we're all different in the work of God. I hope you look at that snow and say, boy, that brings some adversity. But God's reminding me. He's the God of adversity too. Then you look at it and you say, wow, when I see that snow, I know I'm forgiven. And though my sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Let's all stand to our feet. Just a simple thought tonight. Trust has been a blessing. While Brother Joyce is saying, if you have a need of this altar, for any need whatsoever, whatever need you might have, Make your way to the altar and let God help you tonight.